Hello and welcome to another episode of How to Rock Virtual Engagements. My name is Alistair Davis and today we're doing this podcast on StreamYard.com. It's the first time that I've used this uh, streaming service and today I've got a special guest all the way from Dublin and Ireland, Johnny Cosgrove. Now Johnny, I used to live in I used to live in Dublin as well, so I know the the Irish and the crack. But Johnny is passionate about sustainability. He's a Trinity Dublin MBA graduate with a background in events, marketing, and technology. He's convinced technology will contribute beneficially to the structural changes underway in the world of work. As a kid, he dreamed of being a professional wrestler, vet, and Power Ranger all at the same time. <laughs> Welcome, Johnny. How are you doing? <laughs> not too bad this morning. I'm not a Power Ranger, but I will live. <laughs> Tell me, how uh, do you things do all are, th Things are good here in Dublin at the moment. Okay, good, good. How do you do all three at once? I want to go back in time and figure out what six-year-old me thought, because he was obviously a lot more productive at his time than I am. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> days and night jobs. <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to be like the usual the fireman, the policeman, because I just I loved the the fire engines and the the lights. I, I thought it'd be so cool if you can ride in your car and switch on the light and go, Woo! and you could go anywhere you want super fast. Yeah, I think I might have been on something similar. Um, in I think it was when I was like twelve and figured out what 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 majority of a vet does with their time. I think that's what killed that off. Uh, in terms of the factory visits and whatnot, unfortunately, not all puppy dogs and kittens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had I had a Spider Man suit, a Batman suit, and a Superman suit. So when my mates used to come and play, we we'd swap out, and I'd say, "No, I'm Superman. You can be Batman today." <laughs> Yeah, who's man, who's Alfred, and who's Robin? That's kind of similar <laughs> to how we try to how we try to structure team structure at times. So I have to chuckle at that one. <laughs> who's lead? Who's second? Who's backup? Or who's the wise? Who's the wise old person? Go, hey, that's not going to work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the Batmobile, let's go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you're a smart guy, obviously. And you've got, uh, as obviously this is a streaming broadcast, so people can see you've got the the cool beard. And you're you're <laughs> in you. Uh, what what interest do you have in sustainability? Um, I'm definitely going to blame Captain Picard for this one. Um, I spent a lot of time as a kid watching Channel Four and Star Trek, and for me, it's not just about making money. It's not just about so. It, for actually, I'll put it a better way. I don't see the difference in entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship. Whether you're creating five jobs, whether you're creating 5,000 jobs, you're making a difference to society in some way. It doesn't matter if mm. you're doing something that you don't maybe feel is world-changing. It's making a difference to someone else's life. And the point is, from a personal point of view, I don't believe in the short term. I only believe in the long term. You need to be mm -hmm. very good in the execution, execution in the short term. But you've got to keep your eye on the prize, uh, whether it's personal or in work. So from a sustainability point of view, I, uh, I, I'm enjoying the fact that we are now starting to think about, you know, the world as opposed to just our pockets. Um, mm -hmm. If we're looking at any positives coming out of the current pandemic that's going on, which is obviously mm -hmm. not good for anybody. Uh, I don't know anybody yep. who can be happy about this situation. But uh, in terms of long-term thinking, someone much wiser than I said this to me about a week ago. 
he said, look, as odd as it might sound, this might be one of the greatest things to ever happen. Because while obviously it's affecting everyone, we're lucky the right thing got out rather than the wrong thing. Whatever way it came out and whatever way it came from, um, the point Mm. is right now people are getting a kick up the backside to understand what really matters. And there's no point, there's absolutely no point um, from a sustainability point of view, there's no point in tomorrow if next week doesn't exist. Yeah, I agree totally. I've said that to many of my friends that we needed this slap. We needed a wake-up call because we thought as a species we were too cool for school, you know? All this technology, we're going to Mars, we're going to the moon, we've come so far and we were just unbreakable, supermen, superwomen, we could just do whatever we wanted and exploit anything we wanted for for personal gain. So I, I think, I agree with you, it's, it's it's tragic, it's unfortunate, and it's not cool, especially if you're in business and you're worried about your jobs and your future of your family. But it, it, I think we'll come out of this much wiser and hopefully stronger. Yeah, and hopefully we'll do it together. I think that's the, that's the big thing that we're seeing across the planet. Um, even though on the tail end of all this, we're going to come out of it in different ways and at different times. But the only thing that you can really hang your hat on is do the right thing. You can never regret that. And an important point around what's going on right now, there is no right answer. You and I might have completely different opinions on the exact same point. It doesn't mean that either of us are wrong. The point mm. is that we're go- we, we, it, it takes people having discussions and being willing to have real discussions, not polarized you know, tweets um, and all these things that people think about. Um, it's thinking in yeah. the long form, not, not just in terms of long term, but also write your thoughts. Think about this properly. Don't just fire things out that your chumps can tweet out in, in 10 seconds. Think about what you're putting out there. Think about how you're engaging with different people, whether it's on a call mm-hmm. just like this, although obviously we're on live stream, but when you're on a you're on a Zoom or a Hangout or any of these things, just actually having a two-way conversation as opposed to one-to-many, that's that's yeah. the, that's what's going to get us through all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I am, um, you know, I've done, this is the 10th episode I've done. You're the ninth guest, but the 10th episode. And what's come to the fore with this whole how to rock virtual engagements is the the feeling of empathy, the understanding of empathy when you're talking to somebody in this virtual space. You've you've got to like up that. You've got to up your empathy muscle or skill by 30%, up your listening, up your your warmth. So it's it's, it's all of these soft little tweaks that that we, that we need to do. And that's been really interesting. And that's also why I wanted to get you on the show because you've got meetingroom.io. And that's another take on, on how we meet and interact with, with each other. But how did you get into that? What got you interested in virtual reality meeting rooms? I'm going to blame my dad for that one, um, <laughs> indirectly. <laughs> uh, so... From a long, uh, I would have spent a lot of time as a kid um, out. If you remember um, the square in Tala, they had a great uh, virtual reality yeah. center in the middle of their Atari center. And essentially, short answer, I went out there and I got pink eye quite a bit as a kid from infections from people not cleaning things. And I fell in love with the idea of what was going on. But, and this was the only reason I mentioned that is as I was talking through this particular business with my with my father, uh, at the beginning and getting him into trying the technology out as well, which is a lot, which was a lot of fun. Uh, he said, I said the same thing. It was clunky, but it was fantastic. Um, and that was from 
1995 right through to 2016, 2017. Um, but how I actually got into this from a business point of view, um, I've been looking around the area for quite a while. I've been looking for means to make it a little bit easier. I, as you're seeing right now, I'm not fantastic on video calls. I have a bias against not making eye contact with people when you can't really do it, and especially on calls like this kind of thing. It's a mm. learned skill. Yeah. And the point is, not everyone can ride that bike. And not everyone can excel in the same way. And we were originally trying to build uh, a different company uh, entirely, actually. It was around arcades and things like that and a few different ideas. Essentially, we were we were, we were tossing ideas around. And then Aby, one of my co-founders, had to go out to Beijing. He, he heads up the uh, University College Dublin VR lab between Dublin and Beijing. And he was spending three months out there like he does every year. And we tried every single thing under the sun. This is back in 2016, 2017. So yeah, 2016, September. And we were trying lots of different things. And we eventually, like from your WeChat to your WhatsApp to your all the professional things as well, we were just trying anything to make it work. Yeah. And uh, we found that we could have calls one-on-one, -on -one, not a problem. Phone calls exist and they always will. The genie's out of the bottle there. When it came to actually having a few tough conversations about the directions we wanted to take, we needed something simple like a whiteboard. And because of AB's background, I dropped in on him a few months beforehand after my MBA. I came in on a crutch and I was like, I want, I'm looking to career change. And uh, this is potentially one of the ones, one of the areas I'm looking at to see, is it ready yet? I'd looked about three years beforehand. It wasn't ready. <laughs> and we were all building, we were all building things like Minecraft in our head back then. But the point, uh, point was very, very quickly, uh, we built a, built a real basic demo which was a whiteboard and a secure quiet place for us to meet uh, we'd actually use some of the social vr place like old space we couldn't have a private conversation so long story short the tool became the business because we needed it ourselves uh, and we also started finding people who wanted to start pushing the envelope beyond the video call and say look it's not going to replace these things uh, or and that's a question we started out with and mm. The long way around to that, and I suppose answering where a lot of this stuff fits in, it's not taking away your one-to-one -one call. Video calls will probably do that for quite a long time. Why? Yeah. Because both of our brains, we're humans, and both of our brains, and uh, this is where my background kind of kicks in, I would have spent a lot of time arguing about behavioral economics over the last 10 years uh, through time in the States and then, in the States, and then time in um, time going through my MBA at Drindy. And the point was, it's not about trying to replace everything. Video calls right now are sounding like cities. Uh, everyone's using them for everything, and it doesn't necessarily mean they're being used for the right things. One-to-ones and one-to-many will probably remain with video calls and conference calls and all the things we can imagine and have been using for the last few years. Where yeah. the likes of Meeting Room fits in specifically is for those 3 to 12, maybe 3 to 20 small group, high participation meetings. That, that's where we really see this kind of stuff fitting in. And for us, we've just been doubling down our focus within that, as opposed to trying to say, hey, you're going to replace Zoom with our tool. You're absolutely not. You're going to complement your Zoom sessions with something like our tool. Okay. So do you see meeting rooms sort of plugging into these meeting applications or conferencing applications like WebEx, like Zoom, like MS Teams? Will it be like a plug-in? Is that kind of what you think it might be? 
Yeah, t- well, Teams is something we're already... I, I actually had a Teams board up in, or a Teams chat up in my room yesterday because we we're testing the newest version of Meeting Room at the moment, which brings in stuff like web browsers and brings us to the next level. Uh, we've been working on it for a few months. So I'm excited about that. But the point for us is I, would, I, I don't see us needing to replace a lot of these fantastic tools as is. Same yeah. with Slack. Say I'll, I'll focus on something like Slack and Teams just because they are between themselves and Zoom. They are the saviors of today. They are the answer to this particular crisis. They are the ones who are helping us find our focus and helping companies find what they need beyond these points. It's not that they're going to do everything, but in in, in, in what I call my 13-star room, um, and right now we're probably at a one or two-star in terms of product development, and it's a long journey of uh, you have to start somewhere. But the, mm. the end point for me in terms of my Mick Jabber, if I was doing an events company still like I used to run, if I was looking for my night out with Mick Jagger moment, which is what I call the 13-star experience, then that yeah. would be making sure that when you and I finish up our call, all the things that you need, i.e. if you're working on a, if you're working through a meeting and you're working on whiteboards and sticky notes and all these little things that go on in the room, that yeah. for anyone who wasn't there, that might automatically post into your different um, channels. It might go into different projects or specific things. But the point is, it's not supposed to be overloading. It's supposed to be making sure everyone has a better experience because yes. for us, it's not about um, it's not about <laughs> everyone in virtual reality. And just to call this out, everyone in virtual reality, the assumption is you're going to lock me in a little box all day, and that's what I want to do, and I'm going to pay you for that service. We're not trying to build Ready Player One. We're not trying to build something that people spend all their all their day in. You're going to do very specific tactical things in there, just like you do with any sort of software. You use it for specific things. But the mm. ultimate mission for us is we want to augment the human experience. I want you to yep. spend more time in real life and less time yep. in meetings. Yep. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you want to how to rock virtual meetings? <laughs> mm, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that is, again for specific kinds of meetings, like you know. We're not going to cover your 200-person conference. We're not going to go after certain things like that because we know where our skill set is. Getting teams in a room, working on real-world problems, and some we're working with uh, exclusively Fortune 500 companies this, this this past six months. And it's the decisions getting made in there are real. The decisions getting made in rooms are affecting the whole world, and that's the point. Yeah. They're not just talking about the tech. They're getting on with what they're supposed to be doing. Okay, so talk to me about a customer reality. So taking a customer reality or a business problem and taking that business problem or that business experience or this Fortune 500 company's Mm -hmm. current situation of A, and it needs to get to the situation of B, which is enhanced high-performance meetings for 3 to 12 people, which I this is where you're pitching your product. What does Meeting Room do to enhance that experience specifically? So, you know, why can't I just get onto a Zoom meeting with 12 people? Why, why, why would Meeting Room do it better? Spot on and great question. So when you're on the Brady Bunch call, there's nothing wrong with that if everyone's just doing a quick report in or you're literally just, you know, going through a 50-minute stand-up or something like that and you don't need everyone to necessarily collaborate. For us, it's when you need to have those tough conversations, when you have groups around the table. And say, to explain um, explain what I mean there, spatial sound is the technology. But in terms of what it actually means, if you're sitting to my left in meeting room and, you're, and if I'm sitting over here or the rest of my team are around that table, it yeah. physically sounds like you're to my left. 
you're physically sounds like you're to my right. And from a, those small little nuances for your brain to go, oh, mm. you know what? I'm actually here with you. I'm actually sitting with you wherever in the world we might be. And it means that people can just get into it. Um, actually, better way of putting it. Right now, everyone's talking about that is to do with the cognitive dissonance that is going on where your brain is being told these are all humans and your brain is going, but they're really small heads. That doesn't make sense, you know? So you're actually adding a huge load to what's going on in video calls and that. When you go into stuff like meeting room, it removes a lot of that human hassle, I suppose, and makes you be able to focus and say, okay, we're all actually here. You're tricking your brain to believe in something. Same way when you open up an iPhone and you pick on your contacts, oh, that's my Rolodex. Same kind of thing going on. Right, so you've got you've got the all the auditory enhancements of sitting around a table. So, so just so you the listeners are aware, your technology or your um, system works with a VR headset. So you, as a as an, a meeting attendee, you log into meetingroom.ie.io. Sorry, you put on your virtual reality headset and you go into this virtual reality meeting room where you'll have a whiteboard, and you'll have all of your people sitting around the tables. And meetingroom.io would then obviously enhance the auditory experience. Exactly. And I'm removing not, that, that, that cognitive dissonance of, I'm not talking to a little square that's illuminated, let's say, on, a, on another meeting platform. So in, in terms of auditory experience, I get that. That's that's a better, that is a, a much cooler way of, of doing it. But what about the visual experience? Because, you know, in terms of communication, you've got obviously content, you've got visual, and you've got tonal or the way things sound. So when we speak, we have tonal, visual, and content. How is the visual enhanced for the meeting attendee? Great report, and thank you very much. The point is, when you come into that room, whether you're in, on something like a VR headset or you're coming in from your iPad, you have the same experience. You get around okay. the table, and as you enter the room, you'll see you're around the table. There's different modules on a wall, but the point is the room actually looks, the very first room everyone comes into is the starter room. And this is mm -hmm. the room we introduced the idea of what this actually means for your org. And that might mean, obviously, the spatial sound we introduced that. That gets you around the table, which is a social gathering point, same way as it acts in real life. It's where people sit or stand around to get the conversation started. But the rest of my, and the starter room, by the way, looks a little bit like a 1970s office. It's very basic, it's very standard. There's three walls and a view. Exactly like yep. you'd imagine if you're going into the office, whether it's Regis, WeWork, or your own place at the moment, or in the yep. past at the moment. <laughs> but yeah. in terms of what you can do with those different walls, we fitted them out with different modules. So you might bring up an agenda. You might stick a timer to that agenda, one that the whole team can see, but not right. like, like not jammed up in the top left of our of our screen, but in natural in a natural way that you can say, oh, we've got two minutes left. We've got to get right. we've got to finish up. Yeah. Things like that. Right yeah. over to a sticky note wall where you do exactly what you'd imagine. You use sticky notes, you move the you move the dial the same way I use Trello myself and I link it up with things like my board to say, okay, in the meeting. We're getting decisions made while we can see it there. Afterwards, mm. when we're doing certain things like, you know, you're still going to use your Trellos, you're still going to use your all your different bits and pieces. But the point is, you can do it in a more effective way, the same way as if you're going to have a tough conversation in real life where you want to have body language, where you need to bring across not just tonality, but also 
listen, Johnny, you need to learn how to shut up and just get on with these things or whatever the case may be, being tough myself for a second. Yeah. The point is, when you need to have a tough conversation around the table, when you need to bring in tools from the real world, or the last part of that starter room, which is one of the more important parts, the whiteboard. So simple things like being able to, like in the real world, you're not going to use your whiteboard all of every but when you're sitting in a room and you want to explain a problem to someone else or you're looking to get people behind the problem and fix it together, mm. that's where these things fit in. But beyond yeah. that, they're, they're, they're the basic parts. But I suppose the better way of answering your question is that first room, the problem was how do we introduce the problems that we were trying to address the company was saying, how do we introduce people to these virtual meeting rooms? Because obviously it's something we're, need, we're going to have to get very good at. And we were, we, we've seen so many people, I think you brought up your honor in Mars and the moon. And the question used to be, hey, we can do whatever we want in here. What will we do? And you'd bring people to the moon. You'd bring people to Mars. And it's fantastic if you're talking to tech team. They get it. And they're like, oh, we can do whatever we want in here. But the point of this kind of technology, just like any of the stuff that's working today, like we already mentioned, it's that front of house can work. It's that every person in the org can actually understand it. So mm. that particular room, the problem set was introducing people to our virtual rooms, both those who are very au fait with VR you know, the 1% who have got to understand, get to use this stuff already. But more importantly, for the 99% who are going to actually benefit from this, as well as those who are already understanding. So learning to, I look at our avatars, uh, which is how you're represented in there. I don't look at that as a representation of Johnny. I see that as a different car for me at the moment, one that's getting much more mileage than my Volkswagen out the front. Um, so making people understand what this new form of mobility is, how to do it, and then what you can go from beyond. And I suppose mm. in terms of what we've been seeing the most use now is people, and the biggest feature for us really is our discovery session. It's not just a feature in a room, but every single room we build, it's built for a very specific problem. And it's built for specific companies, not from doing lots of things bespoke, but saying, hey, what kind of virtual equipment do we need in this room? Do we want a whiteboard room? Do we want a sticky note room? Or more importantly, and we're seeing a huge bit of traction with this at the moment, do we want a room where we can do remote site viewing or a remote site inspection? So think of you're in a company in the middle of Europe. You might be we're working with a number of energy companies in this in the moment. And the point of what they're doing is they're cut, they came into this over a year ago to say, we want to come, come and cut down. We want to attack our ESG, our travel, and our expenses. Uh, environmental, social, and governance. The thing that ever what we were called back in the day, eco-wires, now it's right there at the top of everyone's table. Sustainability is linked to people's compensation plans. And that's more than doubled in the last three years for senior execs. Yeah. Yeah. So the point is, they come in saying, we want to improve what we're doing already. We don't necessarily want to do something we can already do in the Zoom. We want to go the next step. And the mm. next step for them is, well, if we all have access to from a pure tech feature point of view, if you want to bring in a 360 image and you want to bring in a 3D model, the point for that for them is remote yeah. site inspection. Yeah, that yeah, sense. that's that. That's a, I mean, you've got a. I'm just thinking of it right now. You could have a really nice niche in the architectural space or design space where you need to, as you say, analyze and look at a 3D model around a table. This is what your technology could do. So. Um, what I wanted to say is <clears throat> one of the things why I called this show How to Rock Virtual Engagements is because I chose the word engagement specifically because people battle with that. 
engagement. Because obviously in a face-to-face -face meeting or a face-to-face -face concert or a face-to-face -face everything, you are better able to engage with an audience, get feedback, and there's that feedback loop. And so what I think you're saying is your technology enhances that engagement X, Y axis, you know, so you've got a higher level of engagement, ergo, you have better communication, ergo, you would be able to solve complex problems better in your meeting room as opposed to a pure Zoom call or, or whatever platform you choose. Is, is that fair to say? Yep, and I will, I'll paraphrase someone who we were talking with the other day who's been using it now, and we're actually moving We'll be able to talk about them a little bit more in the next few months. Um, but right now, we're just moving to the next stage of rolling stuff out. And the point they made was, look, we know it's not the perfect answer for you to be able to say, this is what it is, but this is what it means to us. It's about those billion-dollar moments. Not necessarily that you're going to be in, you know, not it, this is not for every single situation. But it yep. is where you're trying to, I think he put it as, look, Marmy, my meetings are starting to get a little bit shorter. But the real value of it is the fact that the output is much, much better. You're getting, you know, you're not exactly on engagement. You're not missing those things that sometimes get dropped, not just because people are using video call, but because not everyone is a super productive, um, not everyone is built the same way. And making sure that everyone's on the same page and say mm -hmm. having a virtual war room where what were we talking about the last day and getting to sit back through a meeting and say, oh, I, that's what I that's what I promise I do. Not just the notes in the minute and agenda, but actually ensuring you understand what are the other person's coming from. And if in terms of engagement, we all always want to sit in someone else's shoes to understand where they're coming from. It's the exact same kind of thing here. Making sure that people can get around the table, make the toughest or the best decisions. You know yourself, there's good and there's bad conversations. But being able to context switch between different rooms. I'm in the red room. This is my management meeting. Yeah, we have one ourselves, which we call the wet red uh, wet reading room that can be really fun or it can be an absolute uh, bloodbath because we're trying to fix real world problems when we come to the client facing meeting you want to make sure you're in the blue room where every time you come in and you're on point you know simple little mm. bits and pieces like that really make it easier especially when we're all living in front of screens which is something we're all sharing at the moment mm -mm -mm. and i guess the other benefit would be a side benefit is that because you've got this vr headset on your visuals are only in that room, i.e. you're not looking at different screens on your laptop. You're not looking at your phone and go, ooh, somebody just WhatsApped me. But you can see the WhatsApp in the corner of your eye, but you're on the Zoom call now. You're talking to somebody, uh, and then uh, <laughs> you, you switch off your screen because you want to look at the WhatsApp message quickly. And so your your attention is, is, is diluted because you've got so many visual stimuli bombarding your head uh, whereas if you're inside a VR room, you, 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 that's all you're doing. And so, you know what? I'll put aside exactly that, by the way, um, especially because that's something everyone can agree is going on right now. There's nobody not getting affected by people double jobbing when you're supposed to be paying attention to what's going on that meeting. And when you have to repeat everything twice, that's why you have an hour long meeting where nothing gets done um, or where you feel really drained. When it could have been maybe 15 minutes if everyone had just you know, really logged into that particular meeting and kept focus. And for us, that comes right down to even stuff like our our, our agenda wall. That's a document viewer wall. And we've been really strict uh, to be getting updated now in the next month and letting people do a little bit more with it. 
but the we, we we were asked so many times oh we want to bring in screen sharing we want to do some of these things where people can live edit and do all these different bits and pieces what we actually did was we went back to first principles and we treated it just like a real world room everybody has to print stuff off before they come there everyone has to arrive on time Every, the meeting starts when the meeting starts and the timers and all these bits and pieces the point mm. was the problem that we were being asked to fix was how can we have a more effective meeting, not how can we apply virtual reality technology to the meeting space? Yes, yes, you know, I see it. And it I see it. It's, it, it's tough uh, because it's a very, I love the VR industry. I'm a gamer. I, I, my first remote team was, <laughs> I was 11 playing EverQuest and using 56K dial up to try and talk to trees and non playable characters. <laughs> so that's my own, whatever <laughs> background coming into it. But the, but the point is, coming at it from first principles and saying what we're trying to do rather than just trying to apply tech to things, that's why we're getting the success we're doing. We're a, we're a bootstrap team. We're not VC-backed or any of these things yet because we focus on solving a problem before we go out to apply that kind of glue to what we're doing. And the, yeah. point, of what, the point of what we're doing is to get people to come back and show the real value use cases. And um, We have a maturity model. And most of what we actually do with people for the first engagements are to really understand what's the problem, where's the hair on fire. If someone um, applies and just says, and we do right now, we actually close down our self-service. And we've had that even since we first uh, started chatting all, all, all those months and <laughs> nearly years ago at this point, uh, mm. which is fantastic. You know, and I think that, as you remember, our main thing is we say no quite a bit, not out of trying to be blunt and over cocky and we're doing really well and we don't want to work with everyone, we know yep. whose problem we can fix. And we are yep. really focused on trying to make sure we fix people who have this problem as opposed to trying to jam virtual reality down their throat, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So speaking of virtual reality, where is this going? Where where do you see it going? Particularly, I mean, yeah, where, where's it going? It's look, it's 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 the next big thing if you want to look at it from that point of view. Uh, but from a real, from a sustainability point of view, this is going to be one of the great saving technologies um, for all of us. And when I talk about virtual reality, I also include uh, augmented reality and all the different. Look, there's AR, there's VR, there's XR, and a lot of it is just PR right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. We only <laughs> we all need to be pushing these things up and getting it going. And yeah. I, I I I always make like I I I have really good relationships, and the most of the people people who work in the space, we're friends, like even direct competitors, we get on very well, we play paintball together. Uh, we, you know, on, on a Friday afternoon, you'll catch up and go, did you guys survive this week? Okay, yeah. Um, bit crazy, especially the last month or two. But where yeah. all of this ultimately goes, um, my life today, um, the first six months of this company, I dropped 30 kilos, because I was playing rec room um, and paintball for maybe 20 minutes a day on top of doing my own meetings as a stand up and, you know, spending a lot more time standing. That was because I'm a large guy anyway, and I had a bit, a bit too much to drop off. But the point of what these things are is, it's already starting to impact people's lives. It is, if you look at Peloton, who I saw had one trainer, was it like 16,000 people yesterday? Or something amazing. You're like one person and that kind of output. That's the power of working in a locationless manner, not just say remotely, not just in an office and all these things. The world is not gonna look a very specific way after all this, the world what? is going to work in different ways, you know. And from a virtual reality point of view, it's gonna it's gonna ebb and grow over the next coming years. But I think the biggest output of it, if I was looking at the first principles of it, it's going to connect people and let them engage, not just from a work sense, not just from a personal sense, but a holistic sense. If that makes sense. 
<laughs> it does. There's a lot of sense in there. So, so yeah, I just realized saying, I was like, I said sense three times. <laughs> <laughs> so virtual reality is going to enhance the way we interact with each other on in is particularly for location less instances. Talk to me a bit more about that. What does that mean? Locationless. Yeah, look, for me, locationless is beyond just um, beyond just virtual reality. For me, I look at, <laughs> everyone loves to say, are you in an office or are you outside an office? Are you a distributed team? Are you remote first? And there's all these battles going on for people trying to say, this is what that is. And this is exactly the way you have to act. And for me, I, I, would, I would challenge it and say, look, the greatest thing that's opening up right now is the locationless economy. We will be back in the offices in the next year or two. We will be back to air travel to some point over the next three years. Uh, we'll start with business travel and we'll get down to consumer travel and all these things. But the point, and we will have different nations getting better and specializing in certain areas. Um, so the same way I'm shouting out for Ireland, Inc. We're one of the best time zones in the world because, you know, eight hours forward and eight hours back for us covers a lot more ground than other areas. Um, and it means you can actually really get things done. But from a locationless point of view, what I mean by that is, we, we are only starting to scratch the surface of what true globalist, global work is and what global communities are. And for me, I don't like saying, even our own company, we would technically be remote first, but the way I would look at it is, we don't even look at that. We just have a particular structure that we set and say, look, we have different people. And um, <laughs> this is a quote, another Irishman, we have a particular set of skills and we do particular things in a very specific way. And yes, we will work probably with a virtual office for the length of this particular company because we're making virtual office space. But at, at the yeah. end of this, there won't be one set of hard and fast rule to how we do this. I think that from a what I again, when I refer to locationless, this comes down to the economic outputs across the world. This comes down to the human side. And when it comes down to it, we don't like lining people up against each other. We'd much prefer everyone making light, everyone, everyone working together to make light work. As they say, many hands do make light work. So that, that's mm. how you talk about what locationless means to me. Okay. And you guys don't have an office. You're, you and your fellow meeting room.ios are all working from home or in a, an office somewhere. And you, you drink your own medicine in terms of meeting up inside meeting room. Have you, are there any metrics that you've measured? So uh, engage, increased engagement, increased productivity, anything that you've measured from people consuming or experiencing meetingroom.io? Yeah, so actually we, we, we started off with that exact question. We tried to kill our business in week one by working, <laughs> it really was a fun one. Because again, like anything, you're trying to see, is it there yet? Are we there yet? Uh, the Simpsons do better than I ever will. Um, but in terms of what we started off with was comparing ourselves versus Skype for Business. Back in 2017, yeah. that was the standard. I know it's been it's been rolled back now and Teams is now their new standard. Um, but the point we started off and we just got peer reviewed in this, we wanted to understand what is the difference and do <laughs> let's let's do a scientific version of the Pepsi Cola test. Which yeah. do people prefer? And yeah. we did a really simple test. People going on a Skype call, people going on a virtual meeting room call with meeting room, obviously, and doing it as a first time people are meeting. We actually the, the real interesting part of that was bringing our own internet into a bank, which is who we, we did it. We were supported uh, by the fantastic team over in Bank of Ireland. And what we did was we set it up on in two parts and really, really simple. 
we asked people to meet each other for the first time. It was a mixture of bank employees and people actually visiting the bank. And we just said, look, have, have an icebreaker session. Get to know each other. See where it comes out. And the point was at the end of that, and the reason we got published uh, was because the difference when it came to engagement, when it came to mm. intimacy, when it came to um, closeness, those yep. three simple points, and also from a gender perspective, um, women preferred this in a whole different way. It was, it, was, it was really interesting, and that drove us to say, look, we need to go deeper into this in terms of how it makes it not about the person and what my background looks like. You're talking to me on my virtual suit at the moment, which is getting a bit of an update at the moment behind me here. Yeah. But the point is, when you're, when you're, everyone talks about content being king, but content isn't the visual side only. It's about what's coming out of your mouth. So in terms of where this really fits in, give that's that's what we started trying to kill ourselves essentially you, at the you beginning broke up. to say look if this up. doesn't answer certain things i broke now. up there but you broke up there but johnny just repeat what you just said so which part did i break up on just so i'm clear go go back rewind 15 seconds that's about perfect so yeah. the point is what we found was this is a more equal way for people to participate and that's our driving force, making sure that everyone who gets around the table has the same opportunity, be it contributing to one particular meeting, but overall contributing on their career progression, you know? That's an interesting one because I spoke to, who was I speaking to? Yes, oh no, I read it or I spoke it or I interviewed somebody and they said that you know, one of the things around meeting even face-to-face -face and on a virtual meeting platform is the extroverts sometimes take over. And the introverts don't say much or don't do much or don't engage much because of X, Y, and Z. They don't like the, they don't like the way they sound. They don't like the way they look or they're just a bit awkward in this technology. So now you're taking everybody and you're making them equal inside this virtual reality space. And now they're kind of almost not hidden, but they've got like a, a, a body suit or armor, a suit of armor on them. And they, they feel a lot more confident to engage and speak and say, well, I've got this idea or I've got this thing, right? If, whether you forget virtual for one second, and by the way, spot on, that's exactly it. Everyone wears faces. When you go to meet your friends for a pint versus when you are seeing someone for a first engagement in a business meeting, you're going to yeah. have a different face on. You're going to have a different persona of what you want to achieve from that particular meeting. And while my beard is a bit out of control because my barber has been on hiatus for about eight weeks now and fair juice to him, he made the right call. I just have to get it on with it. The point is when I come into meeting room, I look the same every single time. I've got my beard on. I'm wearing my professional face as far as my brain is concerned. And every time I get in there, that's what I'm doing. And the same thing applies for anybody coming into this kind of tech. It's giving people that opportunity to really contribute their effective point. And if you're thinking in terms of, say, design sprints, there's literally books dedicated to this about getting experts in a room for a limited amount of time, not draining their resources because you want someone to travel and do all the business signaling, you know, arrive in your BMW, make sure you have a three-hour meeting because I traveled for two days. That's all business signaling. And that comes right back to when we used to be around campfires planning the hunt 20,000 years ago. It hasn't mm. really changed since then. And the point is, rather than trying to get my beard across in high definition, I don't think that's ever made the sale and don't think it ever should make a sale. But the point is making sure that I can show what, say in my case, what my product does and what its value mm. point is. That's the content I'm trying to get across, not, um, 
not how do you look in a meeting, if that makes sense. Yeah, but, but now I want to stand on my soapbox for a minute or two. Go for it. If you do get into the meeting room and you've, you're in this virtual space with your avatar, whoever he or she or they might be, you've got to be able to speak powerfully. You've got to be able to deliver that content or those words or those ideas in a way that moves and motivates an audience because you can't get in there and have all the tools and the whiteboards and the sticky notes and a really sexy looking avatar and you sound flat or you sound boring or you just dominate the conversation. So those, those skills of those oratory skills and auditory skills need to be tweaked and enhanced if you're going to get into the space. Couldn't agree more. When I'm setting up for a meeting, and actually I'll give you a good example. I was giving a, I was giving, I was part of a panel on Friday in Laval Virtual, which was, is one of the world's oldest virtual reality conferences. And it went fully virtual this year for obvious reasons. <laughs> and the, the night before, we did a check-in and a training session, making sure everyone knows how to use the tools, same way as if you're in real life. If, you, if you're giving a presentation in a presentation hall, you're probably gonna try and drop in there at some yeah. point in advance, or at least say, how many people can a room hold? Who am I talking to? Who's the audience? Yeah. All those Check, things. check. Does this check, microphone yeah, my work? <laughs> exactly. It, yeah, can you hear me? Is it on? Yeah. <laughs> so simple things like that. In the same way, for about 20 minutes afterwards, I just looked a little bit around, did a bit of practice, and that's the point. It wasn't just about, the questions weren't about what do I look like, it's what's it gonna sound like on the other end? That that platform I was in on Friday didn't have spatial sound turned on, so it's an entirely different preparation method. I mm. I don't need to shout to make sure the people at the back can hear me, which was actually nice. But at the same time, uh, I actually prefer that because that's my, that my style of things. But the point the point is, you'll prepare in there just like you would in real life. You'll make sure that, and from the tonality point of view, that's a really specific thing. I really agree with you on that. People talk about poker face and, oh, I haven't got my facial expression in there. For those kind of meetings, if it's a one-on-one, -on -one, you're still going to do that on Zoom. You're still going to do that on the video call or whatever you're using. And that's perfectly okay. I do it with my own team. We, don't, we are not zealots. We make sure that it fits as part of our workflow. But when you're coming in and prepping for one of these meetings, the power of this can be what room am I in and understanding how am I going to walk my customer through these walls? How am I going to bring my team on board with what's going on here? And actually, the way I would – I had the absolute pleasure of being presented to by one of my customers about two or three weeks ago. And it was, mm -hmm. the, it was something I'd never even thought of for my own platform, but we built the features for what, it, what, for what can provide for that. And what it, what it was in a sentence, short was, I got to hear a presentation in the middle of a black hole. It was the best PowerPoint presentation I've ever heard, and there was no PowerPoint slides. Point was, we started off in a room, really basic. He had a 360 image of a black hole, and he had a point he wanted to bring me across. And by the end of it, if you had seen me in real life, I was probably sitting here like, wow, this is amazing. I'd never thought of this kind of this kind of storytelling aspect, even though we're so close to it. Um, you know, so when it came down to it, the real reason I was that was valuable, aside from a music background, he had thought about where he was going to stand in the room. What was I going to be seeing behind him as he was talking through it and all these things. And he even started off with a bit more of a whisper building up to a crescendo. And that was the mm. power of that room. That's what a real that's what any storytelling is. It's not just about um, not just about how it looks, and I used to say this about actually at the very beginning I used to use this anecdote an awful lot more. If you're at a cinema 
Yeah. And you see, say, one of the old cigarette butts put out. Remember the old style? You used to be seeing the frames and all these things. You'd be like, oh, you'd actually feel a bit like, yeah, nostalgic. That's a real old movie. Fantastic. But if the sound goes, you're out within three minutes of complaining and getting a refund. Same kind of thing here. If someone can't hear you in the meeting and you can't get your point across, it's a red flag, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So your customer made a black hole. In other words, you got in and it was totally black. And, oh, he, it was, it was, yeah. and and then he basically walked around the room or told you a story and you were completely entranced by the the story because you couldn't see anything but black. So you were completely focused on what he was saying. Yeah, it wasn't fully black. A black hole actually has a lot of amazing looking things going on. But the pre premise was he wanted to get my attention for those few minutes. I couldn't do anything else because obviously I was strapped into a headset and that was fantastic. Um, that one of the one of the real value points for a manager, you mean everyone's going to actually have to pay attention for this particular meeting? Yes. <laughs> mm. The point was, he had a story and, a, and an angle he wanted to go through. I think we ended up actually the, the last slide, so to speak, or the last three, six image he popped up. We went for a black hole to a lovely, um, a lovely field. <laughs> and the point was, it wasn't necessarily just about the imagery. It was about the story he was telling and using that imagery to A, help him jog what he was talking about, but also set the scene. The same way if you go to a concert, it's all about stage presence. You know, that's why you yeah. pay for the cheap seats versus the the, the VIPs. And uh, one thing that VR has completely screwed me over on is going to concerts uh, because you understand, and that's what really kicks back into it. It's about stage presence. And for yeah. this, this is where you can have that you can have that top level experience every single time. And I think the output is not just about travel and expenses and all the usual things like environmental and social governance. They're obviously huge factors. But in terms of the real output, for me, it's that human side experience and making sure that everyone's on the same page, setting the stage for what they actually want to do, as mm. opposed to saying, here's some cool tech. They get to solve real world problems. And that, that has to be the driving point behind any of these things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about how VR technology could, you know, because musicians now are a bit stuck. They can't do live concerts. So how can you get VR technology to enhance that live conference feel? You know, if you, I'm, I'm sure there's something there that something's going to happen one day where you could pay to go and see the stones and you put on your VR headset and you're like there, right, in, right on the stage or you're sitting behind the drama. Uh, and you can hear him and see him hitting those symbols or, or whatever. I don't know. You know, I, I guess it's going to come. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't know if VR events are there just yet. People in my past, and we're not there yet for that. And um, at the same time, uh, from a pure virtual reality point of view, at the same time. I don't know if you saw Fortnite this week had 12 million people attend a Travis Scott event and it was amazing. I'm probably going to sit through it at some point today which, myself. Which event? Uh, I think it was Travis Scott. Um, they, they just essentially had a, they had a concert for people in Fortnite and 12 million people showed up and they all got to experience the same thing, obviously from different angles, the same way if you and me were back in Dublin here and we went down to Slane for a weekend to see the Stones, then we'd be either sitting at the very back, taking in the entire crowd and hearing all this amazing stuff, yeah. or you'd be down the mosh pit at the front, really getting into it. The point is, you experience it on your terms, not somebody else's. And I think that's the that's the real power of where a lot of this was, is going to come from. That's on the virtual side. On the flip side, 
Um, I actually was talking to Verizon for this uh, for a blog post a few months back. Um, AR, my, what I'm most excited about from an AR point of view, it's going to be easier to get around at concerts. Which is the which is the cleanest toilets? The one with the green light over it or the red light over it? Stay away from the red light. <laughs> you know, simple things like that. I know about sound absolutely mad. But that's how it's going to help people get around. When you've got a Google Maps around a concert to say, I want to go meet my friends. Where is Alistair? He is 300 yards this way. Follow the line in front of you. That's the future from the real life point of view. And I think that all this tech is not going to necessarily, it's not going to necessarily set us back, uh, back to, you know, sitting behind screens and enjoying stuff, but not with people. I think it's going to start mm. making us socialize more in long term. Uh, even then mm. to the fact that for me personally, uh, I was talking about how I, I was lucky enough to drop a, a good few pounds from this beforehand. This year, as a result of virtual reality, I took up running. I use technology less. I've started looking into little bits and pieces. And for me, the audio part was the most important. I always reacted well to having a coach. And having, I think it's Nike Run Club in my ear saying, slow down, stop trying to break yourself, get the run done, simple things like that. That for me is what that that that's what I include in stuff like augmented reality. It's not just the visual side; it's a holistic view to it all, and that's what I think the real power of this is going to be. We're going to go, mm. be, we're going to come beyond the wild west of everyone being stuck looking at their phone all day, and people are going to look up again. That's what I'm most excited about with all of this. Augmented reality, yeah, that's that's really cool. That's really really cool. Um, and in, in the pre-interview question, you said you wanted to talk about Zoom Business Suite or you knew about Zoom Business Suite? I, I, it was suit, the suit, actually. Sorry, I think I might have done a typo. So right oh. now, oh, yeah, 100%. So right now, everyone is having to put on a new kind of suit and you and I are on it right now. My suit's yeah. a little bright today because my wind, the, it's very bright out today and it's coming through my blinds. And so apologies yeah. for that in terms of anyone looking in on video. The point is, for me, I have a setup here. Every time I sit down or every time I'm starting a meeting, I can press a shortcut on my phone so that the lights turn on the right way and small things like that. So I'm not having to think so much. I just have to focus on the meeting that I'm going in today and what I'm there for that. Same way we do at any right. meeting. But right. as, as a, you and I are a bit luckier, I think, in this, Alistair. We've both been a bit more prepped on the remote working side than others have yes. over the last while by the nature of what we do. Um, mm. But for the, for the 80% who have switched on the last few weeks, who are going through a terrible push experiment. Uh, any technology, any service, anything you're doing, you want people pulling. The only thing I want push in my life is my email. And I only, even then I'll only check it three times a day because I don't like reacting to things. I like having a set plan to the day. And when I'm yeah. talking about the, the Zoom suit or the video call suit, right now, uh, say if I turn this a little bit this way, you'll see probably more of the suit that comes out for people every single time. Looks more like an office. It's giving a bit of my own. This is my own life. I, I actually just have the setup myself anyway. But the point is, you want to give people an insight into what you're about, what your company's about, what's going on in your life. And there's no problem having a few conversation starters there in the get-go. Um, but again, it's not about showing up to a suit. And I saw someone actually did a fantastic. They actually made a Zoom suit, which is a cutoff that you throw on two minutes in advance. Um, and all these things are fantastic. But for the yeah. majority want to rock your virtual engagements make sure yeah. you show up the way that you want to be taken seriously or whatever the case yeah. may be 
you know? Yeah. And in the same vein, I have a different setting for if I'm doing my virtual pub on a Friday with a few of my buddies. And I've, it's sad to say, I think I've had more of a, a social life the last six weeks, um, at least seeing some of my friends yeah. on the yeah. weekend than maybe before. Yeah. I, I am still at some point. But the point is, coming in for the meeting you're trying to do or whatever the case may be, having having your own comfort level set up, that's so key for you to be able to get on with it and appear natural as opposed to, oh, this is in the background and all these things. And I, uh, I will preface this. I am, I'm the privileged few who I myself and my better half, we've got a great arrangement here. I've got the office in here and she's working in the, in, in the front part of the apartment. And that's how we don't end up killing each other um, because yeah. relationships are really under strain right now. And I, mm. I, something that people have to take on board right now is that not everyone is set up with a microphone and a stand and all these bits and pieces and some people are still getting to grips with this but more importantly a lot of people have families who are also adjusting to this and that's why i say this is a push experiment as opposed to a pull there's you know people who haven't got access to childcare. there's people who haven't got access to have their kids going to school to let that get them get on with it a lot of the advantages that come out of working in a locationist way are not necessarily all there right now so I yeah. think you have to be so careful to not assume that everyone's going to love this work from home experience. Yeah. If, if to pick, not that these are specific uh, stats, but if 50% liked remote work or wants the remote work prior to all this happening, that also meant there was 50% of people who didn't want to do it for whatever reason that might be. And I think that post all of this, I don't necessarily know, and I don't think anybody knows what way the cookie's going to crumble after this, but I would hazard a guess to say those, that 50% and 50%, the hypothetical at least, that might mm. stay the same. But the people who are in each cohort might swap because some people are having fantastic experiences right now. Yeah. And some people yeah. are not. So it's just a case of think about the human behind that screen and appreciate that. Yeah, I know every remote team on, on the sun is saying we're getting on 100% from where we were. And there's nothing wrong with showing off that, yes, a remote team was more set up for this. Mm, At the same mm, time, Every one of those remote teams probably has other stuff happening behind the screen in real life, which wasn't there in January 2020, which wasn't there six months ago. So I think yeah. this we're moving from a big reaction time to a big period of, of adjustment. And I think that as that progresses, that's the stuff to focus in on, seeing how can we preserve some of the good? How can we improve on the bad? But at the moment, if someone has, has you know a family member drop in during a meeting, that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah, you know. Mm -mm -mm. Cool, cool. I'm just conscious of time, Johnny. Um, well, before we go, what would you say to people, business people? Let's say let's let's talk about business people who who want to get into virtual meeting rooms or have heard this podcast and they go, hmm, he's raised some good points there about engagement, about focus, about all of these kinds of things. What would you say to to business people who want to get into virtual meeting rooms well first off feel free to get in touch um, always a good a good a good 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 way of um trying these things out you for for meeting room specifically you come to meetingroom.io you sign up on our contact form and it'll probably be me reaching out to you at the moment because we try to uh, try to make sure everyone is a good fit both for us and for you because the best thing that we can do is um, make sure that if we are the right solution for you help you go deeper on that solution but if equally if we're not the right solution we will be totally blunt and honest and tell you that and we'll probably point you in the right direction. And um, because this mm. is a new area, it's not gonna be 
there's a lot of different programs building out in this and some fantastic businesses building out around these different problem sets. And we all do kind of specific things. And that's why, again, we focus on those small group, high participation, mainly with senior level decision makers or people who are making real world decisions and being affected, you know? Yeah. But in terms of actually doing that, come to meetingroom.io, add me on LinkedIn, whatever way you want, uh, get in touch and I'll hopefully help you out with that. But I suppose before you, what you will be asked by me and by anyone who's in this area, what's the problem? What is the specific problem you're looking to address right now? Because again, mm -hmm. in the middle, <laughs> no virtual reality and no, no company in the world can take charge of the digital transformation that's happening right now. That's been mm. led out by a global pandemic. And yeah, yeah. From, a, from, a, from a technology point of view, I'll put it a slightly different way. No one cares about technology, really. Uh, that might sound odd, but what I mean by that is turning the light switch on and off, that's what you're looking for. Does it work? That's the answer that most people are looking for. And right yeah. now, as a right now, we are all focused on a vaccine, just for an example's sake. Nobody really worries about the technology behind that as long as it does it in the right and efficient way and that we get yeah. there. It's the same kind yeah. of thing with this. You're going to use a suite of different tools from your Zooms, your Hangouts, your Teams, your Slack. They're also going to exist alongside with things like Meeting Room. Yeah. Yeah, we try to find where that fits in, as opposed to jam it in. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. That does. That does make a lot of sense. Um, I'd like to thank you, Johnny. Is there anything else you'd like to say before before we go? I um, hope everyone's staying safe. Anyone listening in, obviously. Um, <laughs> but, but that's a given for anyone on any podcast readings at the moment. But I really do think think about your teams. Think about what you can gain from a competitive advantage of these things now. For me, um, the free economics of VR are something I'm dedicating my life to at the moment. Uh, the spillover effects of all this at the end are going to be fantastic. But if you're mm -hmm. a business leader right now, I'll compare this to stuff like air travel, um, adoption of mobile phones, and all these things. My own assumption, post all of this, it's going to look a little bit similar to when we went from cubicles to open office plans there was major cost savings involved. And actually, we're going to go back to cubicles to a certain point. I've seen reports coming out this morning in the Sunday papers about different people's predictions about what's going to come out next. Yep. And yep. the point yep. is, virtual meeting spaces and co-working spaces and your office, they're all going to exist after this. So having a think about what that looks like to you and what's really going to give your company a competitive advantage, that's how you're not going to rock your virtual engagements now, but also over the future. And people are looking mm -hmm. for guidance right now. You can never ever do the, the wrong it, you can never regret doing the right thing so thinking about what that is over the long term is something that will really help business leaders get that competitive advantage but also have a workforce to trust you mm -mm -mm. perfect perfect well thank you johnny for taking the time out today to talk to me on Streamyard. i don't think we've streamed it anywhere <laughs> we we <laughs> We, we, we've got the record button, but I don't think anybody's out there because I'm not linked to LinkedIn yet. They, weren't, they, they haven't given me the approval yet. But the next time we speak, I'm sure we'll speak again in the future. We're, gonna, we're going to stream it out. <laughs> so thanks we're, a lot we're, for your... We're, we're still learning too. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot for your, for your time. And if anybody, anybody wants to get in hold of Johnny, it's johnny at meetingroom.io. Johnny is J-O-N-N-Y at meetingroom.io. Cheers, Johnny. We'll Cheers. see you on the flip side. <laughs> Cheers. Great day. Thank you. Cheers.